you all today. Happy Sabbath. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. I'm so excited. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the invitation into the kingdom, and God has been working ever since then. I mean, we have had so many things happening here at Bucks County. I don't know if you guys are paying attention, but we've had something called a bazaar. It's really bizarre, but people are coming out, and they are uh, setting up things outside, and the community is paying attention. In fact, we have in our presence today a gentleman who showed up to the bazaar not knowing that there was a church here and through that process he then started to talk to some of those that are here and God invited him to church today he's here with us today amen we also have with us a young lady who is studying and wants to be baptized and wants to know Jesus better that has come here today into the house of God. Amen? Amen. We have some visiting from neighboring churches that are also here with us today, worshiping with us today and praising God. Is God a God inviting people into this church? Yes? Are you working together with God inviting people? to this church. And the ultimate question, whether you're online or you're here in person, that we have to answer is, is there anything, anything that would keep us from accepting God's invitation? Is there anything? Let us pray. Loving Father in heaven, Lord, we're gathered together in your name to hear your words. And so we pray that all the distractions would melt away. Lord, we pray that anything that would be standing in the way of us hearing what you have to share with us today, Lord, that it would be removed. Give us, Lord, this day your daily bread. Lord, forgive us of our wrongs and help us, Lord, not to hold the wrongs of others in our hearts. Help us, Lord, to see you today. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. And may, Lord, your church be a place filled with your angels, filled with your Holy Spirit, filled with those that have no homes, filled with those that have no cars, filled with those that do, filled with the rich, filled with the poor, filled with the slaves, filled with the free. Lord, whatever it is, I pray, Lord, that you would bring them here. Not because, Lord that this is some special place because of any of us, but it's a special place because you are gathered together with us. And we're looking forward to your return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, wherever we go, we have an opportunity. No matter what we're doing, we have a message. Because the Seventh-day Adventist Church is not just a church. You see, we could go to the gym and we can relate to anybody at the gym because we have a health message. Amen? We could talk to those that maybe are wanting to learn how to live longer, and we could show evidence that we are some of the longest living people in the world. We could talk to people about education, and we could talk about the fact that we have our own educational system that is excelling that of all the other schools in the world. You see, God has blessed our church tremendously. He's blessed us because we have decided that we are not New Testament Christians. We have decided we are not Old Testament Christians, but we are Whole Testament Christians. And so we've taken the message from the beginning, from the garden, where we saw that God had created everything, and it was so good. It was just delightful and pleasant. And we have gone on the journey through Scripture as we've seen the fall. We've seen sin introduce itself. We've seen pain and sickness and misery. We've seen the coming of our Savior and salvation. We saw Jesus. We saw how the church treated Him. And then we saw the movement go on. We saw the persecution. We've come all the way down until the very day in which we are right before the coming of Jesus Christ. And some of us have been tempted to believe 
that God might get caught off guard. That maybe God didn't know what was happening when COVID hit. Maybe he thought when he wrote that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, maybe he meant only after COVID. My friends, I don't like to wear these things. And I have every right not to wear one because I have a little card that says I don't have to. But I have decided that regardless of what obstacle that I might feel is going to give me an excuse not to come, I'm coming. Whether I need to wear a mask or whether I need to wear a suit or whether I need to wear whatever it is, I have decided that I'm going to accept the invitation because I'm not coming here to see you. I love seeing you. Don't misunderstand. But I'm coming here to see my Savior. And when I look unto my Savior, and when I look into His face, I see Him hanging on the cross, gasping for air. So it's very hard for me to say, I can't breathe, Lord. When I look at my Savior and I see Him there and I hear the, 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 the cries of He saved others but He can't save Himself, it's very difficult for me to come here with my pride. When I look at my Savior and I, I see Him reach out His arm of grace to the thief who was just ridiculing Him and offer Him a place in the kingdom of heaven, it's really hard for me not to invite somebody to come to church with me. You see, my friends, I think sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that we deserve something. If there's some reason why we're not going to accept the invitation to gather together, it's usually because of something called privilege. Some of us are so privileged into thinking that Nobody should tell us what to do, that we deserve comfort. You know, it's, it blows my mind. When I go on mission trips, the church is packed. And these people have nothing. The church walls are just bricks. I remember putting a roof on one of these churches, and it was so hot in the Amazon that my brand new boots, the, the glue that held them together, literally melted off while I was on top of that roof. But come Sabbath, with no air conditioning, no comfortable pews, that place was packed and people were standing. It was standing room only. Praising God. You see, sometimes we forget that the devil knows exactly how we operate and how we think. In fact, this is for illustration purposes. This is not a real story, but the illustration is very fitting. There was once a young demon, and he was seeking to destroy this family. He was doing everything that he could to cause them to forsake their Lord. And so this young demon, you know, he caused them to, to, to not have financial prosperity. He caused them all sorts of troubles, and it was difficult. Every obstacle was difficult, but they kept praising God. And so he comes kind of just downcast. He comes before the assembly of the, the, the demons, and they asked him how his day was, how was his evangelistic efforts, what was it that he was doing for the kingdom of Satan. And he told him his story. He was, he was distraught. He was overwhelmed. He, he just didn't know what to do. He says, everything I do to this couple, they keep praising God. One of the wiser old demons with an evil grin looks at him and says, you amateur. What do you think you're doing? That's not how it's done. What you need to do is, is, is help them to get a job. To, to, to get a little bit better financially set, help them and to prosper at all the ways or where they go, make it comfortable for them, and then pull it out from underneath them and see if they praise their God. You see, the devil knows. He knows exactly what it takes, and we have to answer this question in our hearts. 
Is there anything? Because church is not always going to make the decisions the way you would want them to be made, but you're not coming here because of the decisions that are made. You're coming here because Jesus, as his custom was, went into the synagogue and assembled with those who would one day cry out, crucify him. Do you think it was comfortable for Jesus? Do you think he had a lot of friends in church? They all treated him so perfectly well. They were looking at him every single time, looking for any word he might mess up, watching him paying attention, not for the sake that they were interested in his words, but seeking in a way that they could destroy him. Jealousy, fear, control. In fact, the church was not in good shape. Yet Jesus encouraged the members to give. How many times do we forget not even assembling together? Some won't even give their tithes or offerings because they think that the church might be misusing them. Jesus never asked us to be concerned with what happened with our giving. He said, give and be a cheerful giver. Jesus said it's going to be his job to clean up the church. He told us it's not our job. So until that day come and bring someone with you and when you hear them tell you about the troubles that they have and the difficulties they're having at church, I want you to just step aside and point them to the cross and show them the one who went before them, the one who couldn't breathe, the one who couldn't endure any longer, but held on so that you and me could have an opportunity to the tree of life. So we could have an opportunity to experience a very, very good world. One in which there's no sin or suffering or death or pain. Something that seems so foreign to our minds, but it's so real. It's so much the way God intended it to be. It is sin that is foreign. Angels look down and wonder at times why we are still wallowing in this mess. And of course, technology only works when it wants to, right? But God is good, how often? All the time. And the good news is we have a Bible, and the Bible is our sword, amen? So we have Hebrews chapter 10. This is just a reminder of where we were before, and we're in verse 24. If you've got your Bibles, turn there. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 24. And it says this, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. We talked about this. Are you guys thinking about others or yourself when you come to church? Because you understand that when you come to church, when it's difficult, when people treat you wrong, that's when people see that there's a real God worth serving. Today, we've got our young people that are not with us today because they've gathered together in a special group, and so we're missing some of our church family today, but Lord, we know that they're gathered together in Jesus' name. Amen? We have so many things happening that it's hard to keep up with all of them, but be where God is calling you to be. Stir each other up with good works. Just this last week, a friend of mine went with me to the gym. And I've been praying that he would come back to the gym with me and all this other stuff. Well, he finally was there. And what's interesting is you could be regularly coming to church, but when you invite someone, they challenge you. And so... You know, I had been taking it a little bit easy on leg day. Because, you know, there's one thing I don't like to be super sore. It's my legs. Because you start to feel like an old man. And I really like being able to jump and do all sorts of crazy things. It's just who I am. It's how God created me. And so here we are. And uh, we go, okay, I'm thinking he hasn't been to the gym in a while. We'll probably go fairly light. I don't want to, you know, push it too hard. And so we put on 145 plate on each side. And we... Do 15 sets, nice and easy, no big deal. 
Then we put two 45 plates on each side, and we do another 15. Then three, another 15. And then, well, I mean, he's there. He wants to keep going. We throw four on, another 15. Oh, well, we might as well do five. We just did four, so we throw five plates on each side and another 15. And then, of course, we have to quote the commandment, for in six days the Lord created the heavens and the earth, so we put six plates on there, right? And now it's not too easy to do 15, so I think maybe six to eight, I don't know, whatever. So then we're like, well, you know, the perfect number, we might as well go to seven. So we put seven plates on there. And, and we've been having trouble walking since Tuesday. <laughs> but if you see me a little stiff, you should have seen him. <laughs> but my point of this is we stir each other up to good works. We stir each other up to go further than we would have gone. And we can't do that if we're not inviting people. We can't do that if we're not coming together. The purpose of us coming together is to stir each other up, to cause us to say, hey, you know what, I would have never went to the bazaar unless Andre had invited me and said, hey, because I already had a place I was going, but I came to the bazaar, and when I came to the bazaar, it was right on time so I could meet my brother Timothy. Amen? And so we stir each other up. It's good to be stirred up. We should be coming together going, oh man, who could I invite to my house to eat? We're not having fellowship meals here, so we stir each other up. Let's invite them to our home. There is no excuse. There is no stopping God. God was not cut off by COVID. That's why he says in verse 25, he says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. We saw that in the children's story illustration, didn't we? We put all of our sugar, all the things we want to do, into the container, and then we try to fit God in, and it doesn't seem to work. But we put God first, and then we could put all that sweet stuff in as well, right? And what you actually will find is that the real sweet stuff is Jesus, and the other stuff doesn't taste as sweet anymore. That's what I've experienced. I don't know about you. But once you start to put Jesus first, you really don't want to go backwards. You, you know, there, in the beginning, when you first come to Christ, it's so hard to read this book. Let's be honest, isn't it? It's so difficult at times. You're like sometimes you're sitting there and you're in your bed and you're trying to read it and your eyes are getting heavy and they're, they're falling back and you're like, oh. and you're like, I don't think I'm ever going to understand it. Right? But then the more time you spend in it and the stories start to to just dwell up within you and you start to realize that this ancient book is speaking to you in this very time. It's practical. It's helping you with your marriage. It's helping you in your job. It's helping you in every area of your life. And, And it begins to start playing out throughout your day. All of a sudden, when you miss it, you go, oh my goodness, I cannot go on. I need to stop what I'm doing right now and get some Jesus. Isn't that what happens? My friends, Jesus says that we should be gathering, he says, so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, Jesus is the one that told us that we could look at the signs of the times to know the day was approaching. Because he's, it's a big D right there, right? Because it's the only day that matters. It's the day of the return of our Lord and Savior. When he comes not as a lamb to be slain, but he puts that aside and comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When he comes and shakes this earth to its foundation, when the cities fall at his presence, when he comes and all those strong men and wise men and rich men and poor men are fleeing to the caves and the rocks and crying out for them to fall upon him, at that day, he says, as you see it coming, you should be gathering together even more. So much more. So I have to ask you the question, did Jesus not see COVID coming? Did he say, oh, well, if you have to wear a mask or socially distance or wash your hands, then then no, you don't need to gather during that time. Not important. Do you guys know, just 
Have you looked and seen at how difficult it is to see a counselor right now? Because this has not been good for society to be not gathering together. But the church, the church, God's place, more so should be gathering together. And we should be encouraging others and saying, hey, we're doing it. And even though we have to wear the mask and we're doing this other stuff, or maybe you're going to a church that doesn't require it, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't stop you from coming. They go, but what about our freedoms? What about our rights? Let me show you Jesus. Where was his freedom? He's the king of kings. He created the worlds. He could have at a moment destroyed them. But he gave up all freedom for me. Why am I fighting for my right for this and my right for that? You know what, I should, what rights I should be fighting for? My right to be in the presence of God and to come boldly before his throne because Jesus purchased that right. My right to the tree of life because Jesus purchased that right. My right to invite someone else because Jesus purchased that right. My right to forgive you even though you don't think you should be forgiven. I have that right because of what Jesus did on the cross for me. God was not thrown off by COVID-19. And here's the message God has for you today. If you think this is bad, it's going to get worse. So if you're not gathering because you're afraid of something, what are you going to do when the earth starts shaking? What are you going to do when pieces of the continent start falling off? out of existence? What are you going to do when there's no food and there's no water and there's droughts and all these other things? My friends, it's coming. This isn't to alarm or to panic. We have a God that can feed Elijah with a bird, a raven, right? We have a God that can withstand a worldwide flood in a boat. We have a God who could stand up in the raging sea and say, peace be still. We have a God who could could deliver Israel from the plagues, though they were going all around them. My friends, we have nothing to fear except for not being in the presence of God. Moses said, Lord, I will not go anywhere unless you promise to go with me. My friends, we need to be gathering together. I started with this portion of it, and, and I, I'm going to see if I can actually get to the end of this today, because that was just my introduction. Luke chapter 9, verse 27 says this, starting in verse, uh, yeah, verse 27 to 32. It says, but I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. Could you imagine if Jesus had told you that? Some of you sitting here today will not die, but will see the heavens open and will experience the greatest day ever prophesied. When the graves are broken open, where young mothers are given back their infants that were lost because of miscarriages or, or all sorts of other reasons, and, and, and families are reunited together. I mean, it's just going to be an incredible time. Could you imagine if Jesus said to you, some of you will not die? Well, guess what? You don't have to imagine. He did. He said some of us will be alive, right? When he comes. And he told to his disciples that some of them would see the kingdom of God, but they had a misunderstanding of what that kingdom was. Just like we today have a misunderstanding of why we should come to church or not come to church. Why we should support and when we should and when we shouldn't. Guys, it does no good to tell, you don't win a single soul by telling them, oh, I don't give my tithes and offerings because the church is so corrupt. Okay, why would I join your church? Why would I want to go there? Oh, you know what? I don't, I don't go to that church because they didn't treat me right when I went there. Oh, you know what? I don't, you know, you could put any excuse you want to put in the boat, but if I just turn to the side and I point you to Jesus, I want you to tell him that excuse. 
I want you to look him in the face. I want you to visualize him there for your sin, hanging on. And I want you to have a conversation with him. And it's okay, you can, you can yell, you can scream, you can do whatever you want. But I hope in the end, like the thief, you say, remember me in the kingdom. So it came to pass only eight days after these sayings that Jesus took Peter, James, and John up into a mountain to pray. My friends, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. You're not going to see the return of God if you're not spending time in prayer. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered. We are told through prophetic insight that some of us alive before the coming of Christ, that our faces will also change and we will begin to glow like Adam and Eve did, you know, in the garden where they were clothed, not with human clothing, but with the light of the glory of God. Like the angels, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai holding on to those tablets, his face was so bright from being in the presence of God, that they said, please cover your face. We can't bear to see you. This is what happened to Jesus. And as he was being transformed and changed, there were two men who talked with him, Moses and Elijah. Anybody know about the story of Moses and Elijah? What happened with Moses? He what? led the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was so patient with them. He put up with all their complaining. He put up with all their statements of, you, it's your fault, your fault, your fault, your fault. Even though all he was doing was following Jesus. But finally one day, he got upset. And he made one mistake. And God said, you're going to die. You're not going to the promised land. But God had something even better than the promised land for him. He rose Moses up. And Moses has been in heaven. Amen? Now Elijah, on the other hand, he didn't die. And he went straight to heaven in a whirlwind. Okay? So what was happening here is Jesus was showing a minifigure of that day when he returned. He was showing the brightness of his glory. And he was showing those that had died and would be resurrected, Moses. And he was showing those that would not see death, Elijah. Okay? But... He had a message to share. They appeared in glory and he spoke of his death. He kept pointing the disciples to the cross. He knew what was coming. He knew the troubles they were going to face. He knew the difficulties. And so he was talking to them about how he was going to die for them. But, oh, man so difficult to stay awake. The disciples, in the midst of all of this glory, were taking a nap. They were heavy with sleep. They, they woke up to see his glory and the two men, but they missed the message, right? They missed the message because they were asleep. But God, not wanting them to be lost, not wanting them to miss this message, God himself, because it says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, right? You don't have to be afraid of the Father. He loves us. And it says the cloud came and overshadowed them, and out of the cloud the voice came, this is my beloved son, what? Hear him. And so Jesus then spent time trying to, to share with them over and over again. I'm going to skip here a little bit. But they were struggling to understand the meaning of the message because they had fallen asleep. 
At what's the condition biblically? Did God see us in prophecy? He called us the sleepy church. Some people call the current president the sleepy president, right? Well, we're the sleepy church. We're the sleepy church. But the Bible does say we'll wake up, so there's some good news. Wake up, right? We need to listen, see the glory of God. We need to consider what his word means. If you're not giving Bible studies, it's because you probably think you know too much. Some people tell me the exact opposite. I don't know where, what they're coming up with that. They say, oh, I, I'm not ready to study the Bible with others because I don't know enough. And I go, where have you been? Jesus never told the disciples to start sharing once they knew enough. He said, go and, and it will be provided to you. So if you have questions, start studying with someone, and you'll find your answers. But Jesus is a good teacher, and he's, he's persistent and patient, so he kept laboring with the disciples. But he can't labor with you if you're not gathering together. Let's make sure that's clear. Are you following? You've got to keep coming. So he taught his disciples and said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they're going to kill him. He's speaking of himself. He's pouring his heart out to the disciples. He says that he's going to be killed, but on the third day he's going to be risen from the grave. He was giving them hope. He was giving them the message of such important salvational purposes, Right? But they did not understand what he was saying. I mean, it sounds pretty clear. But they were confused. And they were afraid to ask him. So he comes to Capernaum and he was in the house and he asked them. Jesus asked them a question. What is it that you are disputing among yourselves on the way, on the road? But they didn't answer Jesus. Why? Why did they not answer Jesus? Huh? They were embarrassed. Because you know the reason why they didn't understand a very plain statement from Jesus? You know, sometimes we read the Bible, it says, hearing they do not hear, and seeing they do not see. And so God spoke to them in parables so that they wouldn't understand. And we actually think that God was speaking parables so they wouldn't understand. What Jesus was saying is he was speaking it so plainly that he made it so practical, so easy. But the problem is that we're so distracted and we think we know everything that we can't even see the light in the noonday. And so what was it that was distracting the disciples who walked with Jesus? It's because they were arguing who was going to be the greatest. It might have been a conversation like this. They didn't ask me to do this position again. How dare them? I've been at church for all these years. I'm owed this. It could have been something like, you mean you did something and it went great, but you didn't get my input on it? I'm just trying to make it plain. It's hard to get the message that Jesus has for us when we have a message already in our mouth. So then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they came to Jesus and I want you to understand, they came to Jesus as he was pouring out his heart about how he was going to die and how, how he was going to be killed and, and misused and all this stuff. They came to Jesus and they said, we need to have a board meeting. Teacher, they said, what we want you to do is whatever we ask. And he said to them with tears in his eyes, I could imagine the picture, he said to them, what would you have me to do? What? Literally, he just poured his heart out. This is all in the context. Go and read it yourself. He had just told them, and they, they, they didn't even hear him say anything. It's kind of like sometimes we come to church, and we're like, God, they're so mean to me, and I had such a bad experience, and Jesus is sitting there going, the cross, are you even seeing it? Do you even see what I'm doing? Did you even hear the message today? Or were you so busy about how you were feeling inside? 
Now, God cares about how you feel inside. Please do not get a wrong idea of the message, but I hope you understand that God actually wants to share his heart with you too. He wants you to understand why he called you to gather you together. It wasn't just so that you could come and he could check off your attendance on the books. It wasn't so he could go from heaven and he could say, look how many people are coming to hear my message. I'm such an awesome God. No, it wasn't that at all. It's like he actually cares for you and he's trying to tell you what's coming and he knew exactly that these disciples were going to be going through such a difficult time, but he was trying to let them know ahead of time, it's okay. They're not doing anything other than which I already told you was going to happen because I've allowed it. So know whatever you go through, I'm going to be there with you. And it's going to be okay. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. But they weren't paid attention to that. They were still about themselves. So they said, would you do whatever we asked? Jesus says, what would you want? And they said to him, please, teacher, allow us. They're still arguing over who's going to be the greatest. And they think they've won. They got to Jesus first. They called the board meeting together. They got all the elders on the same page, and they're ready to push their agenda forward. They've got it. Here it is, Jesus. We want to sit on your right hand and your left hand in glory. Jesus kind of takes a step back for a second. He's thinking in his mind, do they know what they're even asking for? Because, you know, Jesus' glory was on the cross. And to be on his right hand and his left hand was to die. You know, when you want these positions in the church, do you really know what you're asking for? By the way, we have a position opening very soon, so be watching out for that. And... uh, We're excited to have you work in the glory of God and to sacrifice of yourself. And we've got a 10 days of prayer coming on 9-11, right? And God is going to do powerful things because we have an evangelistic series coming. And so don't miss the message here. Don't misunderstand. Jesus responds to him. He says, look, you don't know what you're asking for, but I do. And I care about you. You're not ready for it yet. You're not ready. He says, are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? Are you you ready? Now the ten, they weren't too happy that that they had gotten to Jesus first, that they had called that meeting. So they got upset. Does this ever happen in church, you know? Maybe some of the church says, hey, we were involved in this. How come you got this and we didn't get this? Could that ever happen? So they were upset with the others. There was internal divisions and problems. Even in the fellowship with Jesus right there in the midst. So if you're looking for a church that has no internal divisions, that has no disagreements and fighting over who's the greatest and everything flows perfectly, and you think that's the pouring of the Holy Spirit, my friends, you are wrong. Because Jesus' church wasn't that way. Jesus' most close, intimate followers were sleeping, distracted, wanting to call fire down on people that didn't agree with them, arguing over who was going to be the greatest, missing the message, angry at each other. So if you're coming to church to have this perfect presence and you have this idea of God and Jesus as everything goes smoothly when you're following him, my friends, you're going to be really disappointed. Because when you get to heaven, you might see someone there and go, how did you get there? And they're going to look at you and go, how did you get there? <laughs> and God's going to look at both of you and go, all right, maybe I made a mistake. No, he won't say that. <laughs> Oh, bad. So, it continues. In verse 32, it says, 
Now when they were on the road coming up to Jerusalem, Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed, and they followed, and they were afraid. And then, they, then he took the twelve apart, and he began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Did Jesus ever give up on his disciples? No. If you're not getting it the first time in Bible study, that's okay. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. The disciples didn't get it the first time. They didn't get it the second time. And they surely didn't get it the third or the fourth or the fifth. In fact, Jesus dies on the cross. Let me tell you the story. He dies on the cross. They go into hiding. They're crying, oh, were we deceived? Was he the wrong one? Oh, my goodness. We spent everything of our life, and it just came to this. And they're just crying and bickering and all this stuff and then all of a sudden the women come and they're like no women can't be in ministry it can't be the holy spirit and so you know they shove that message aside then another woman comes they go nope nope god would have came to us men first and so they shove those ones aside and then finally there's this walk down the road and all of a sudden jesus is walking with them but they can't even see that it's jesus they're talking to him and also they go oh hey he's alive then they go oh yeah didn't he say the third day and you know guys you're okay (laughs) you're okay it's okay you don't understand it all understand this jesus loves you understand this jesus isn't giving up on you understand this that jesus is gonna finish his work even if you get it or don't so let's go along for the ride Let's invite some other people in that don't understand it, don't have it all together, that might sometimes be annoying, might sometimes get on our nerves. Let's invite them to the kingdom. I'm going to skip ahead here because we don't have time for all of my words here. These aren't my words. They're Jesus' words, but you understand, right? Some of you guys want to go home. You want to take a nap, a Sabbath, lay activity. You want to meet at the springs, the bed springs? <laughs> you guys are just ready, right? To get out there and share the gospel in visions in the night. <laughs> My friends, Jesus wants to share his glory with you. But some of you thought his glory was all good times. Jesus says, this is my glory right here. The strongest man in the world is not the one who can lift the most weights. The strongest man in the world is not the one who can beat up the most people. The strongest person in the world is the one who can take a beating that he doesn't deserve and still say, I love you. That's the strongest person in the world, and he's got your back. And he wants to share his glory with you. He he prayed that he would be in you as you are in him, and that you may be perfect together. We all struggle with our identity and what God thinks of us, but I want to remind you when I look at the cross He was dying and he was forgiving those who were yelling and and were crucifying him and were mistreating him. And he was saying, it's okay. I love you. And I'm dying for you just the way you are. Because if you let me, I'll make you just as I am. A lot of us are atheists, but we call ourselves creationists. We're really atheists because we we look back and we believe that God may have done this in the past, so we think we're really good. We go, oh, he created the heavens and the earth in six days, and he created something out of nothing, but then we come to God and we say, you can't do anything with me, God, because I'm too dark, I'm too empty, I'm too messed up, I'm too sinful, and we actually are believing in atheism. We believe that, that some of us somehow, we, we, we adapted the strongest of the survival, and some of us are better, so we, we supersize our pastors or our evangelists or these other people, and we say, oh, look, they're some of the strong and, and the ones that did it, and we do it to the Bible writers, and we forget all the things, and we think they just somehow arrived. When God says, be ye holy, you can't stop being holy. Holy. 
when he says love, you can't help but love. It's not about you. It's about his word. And his word will complete its work. You just need to stop fighting his word. Just believe. It's all he asks you to do is just believe. But sometimes we've got to step out of the way and look at what we're supposed to believe. That was my spot. So I think I can... I think I can put this on. It's really probably not as bad as, you know, the lungs filling with liquid and gasping and pulling against my wounds as I try to lift and gasp a breath. I think, I think a couple hours of this. I, I think I could manage it. What about you? Is it really that big of a deal? I'm not coming to church if I have to do this. Or maybe some people, if, if everybody's not wearing a mask, they're not coming to church. I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter which way you pin it. The question is, are you accepting the invitation? Is there something really that's going to keep you from coming? Is there anything? Because if this is going to stop you, it's about to get worse. There's going to be times where you're going to wish that you had somebody to wear a mask with just to see their eyes, just to see them again, you would do anything. Don't find yourself wishing you had spent more time because the Bible says that those who went to get oil found that it was too late. The time to accept the invitation is now. God is the one that said, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So I want to come to the, the end here. We could go on and on and on. But I want to take you to where it really matters here. Jesus says this in Revelation 22, verse 12. Those that are going to be playing the music, you guys can start coming up. Jesus said, and behold, I am coming what? I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me. To give to everyone according to his work. You know what our work is? You know what the, our work is? Accepting the invitation. Bringing someone else along with us, right? He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. I'm the first and I'm the last. Blessed, happy are those that do the commandments. Why? That they may have the right. You want a right? Here it is. Love God and love your neighbor. Invite those that others don't like. Spend time with people. Minister to them. Give to them when they don't deserve it. And when he comes in the glory, he's going to look and he's going to say, This is my child. And they have a right to the tree of life. And may enter in through the gates of the city. But outside, there's dogs. A dog, spelled backwards, is God, right? They almost were there. They just got the order out of place. They put their dilemma first. They put their distrust first. They put their disagreements first, and they made it a little G, a little God. It's outside. Are the sorcerers. They did magic tricks. They appeared before the church to be holy, but inside they were ravenous wolves. They were sexually immoral. There were those within our church that were struggling inside so deeply wanting to follow the ways of the world but thinking that they had to follow God so they would tell people I can't do this and I can't do that and they were sexually immoral you see you some of you, you guys have been reading this all wrong you thought it was talking about all sorts of other things like pornography and all that I mean that's all included but understand God is talking to the church there's the immoral. There are those that said it doesn't matter 
whether we keep the Sabbath or whether we believe this or we believe that. We don't need to really stand for anything that makes us different. There were the murderers. Jesus told us that murderers were not those that simply went and shot somebody and killed them, but the murderers are those that, that don't like someone else as much as themselves. There were idolaters. There were those that had other reasons, other things to do, but instead of accept the kingdom and the message, they thought that they had to, to, to get other stuff done that was more important, so they were idolaters. And there were those who loved to practice a lie. They would say that they were here to help and to, to minister to the church, but they were really ministering to themselves and they were really trying to seek their own kingdom. But God says, I sent my angel to testify to you these things, this church. I am the root and the offspring of, the, of David, the bright and the morning star. And he's the invitation. The spirit of the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who is thirsty, who, who wants the word of God, wants to understand it, wants to be moved by it, let him say, come. And let whoever desires, let him take of the waters of life freely. The thief on the cross did nothing but accept and drink that salvation in. In the beginning, when there was a flood coming, the invitation was just come. And there's another flood coming. But this time it's going to be with fire. And the invitation is come. If you can't handle the heat in church, what makes you think you're ready to stand on that day? Come. So again, I close. As the music is going to be played in the background, you guys can begin. I close with this appeal. Please, just answer the question, is there anything? Anything that would keep you from accepting the invitation? Is there any reason why you can't be here today with us? Why you can't invite somebody to come to? Take a pew. Take, take some ownership here and say, this pew will be filled because I'm going to invite people to come. And whether they come or not, let that be God's dilemma. Make the G big. Stop believing the lie that it has something to do with you and just point them to Jesus. Stop worrying if you understand everything and just tell them what you understand. Jesus still cares about me and as slow as I am to understand and as slow as I am to hear, he still keeps telling me over and over again. And so I'm going to be patient with you too. Come. Come home. Jesus is calling. Let's stand up and sing our closing hymn together.